Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our Countercultural Sermon Series. Countercultural is a study of the Beatitudes and explores our call to be different. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We'd love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select contact us, and send us an email. Good morning, everybody. As we gather here today, we're in this third week of this series called Countercultural. Uh, I know that the book has been ministering to people, so I encourage you to pick one up today before you leave. We have daily scriptures that we just want to encourage you to, to read, and, and people have been sharing with me how it's ministered to them as well as their time in, the, in our life groups, our small groups. So we encourage you to join one. In preparation for this message, I'd like to pray. So if you would, bow your heads. Father, as we come here today, as we come to open your word, we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. Spirit, that you would speak into our hearts and our minds and that we would listen. So we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Have you ever wanted a do-over? You did something that was dumb or you did something worse that was dumb, dumb you, you sinned, and you, and you wish you could have that time, that day, that event over. Anybody ever want to have a do-over? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think we all know that. And, and really, do-overs sort of come in, in one of two fashions. You, you know, you do something dumb, and, and you regret it, or, or you do something that's sinful, and, and obviously you regret that too. And, and the reality is, when we do that, oftentimes we begin to understand that we want that do-over because it grieves our soul. It grieves our heart, and we mourn about what we do. So let me just give you a couple of examples. The first one is a dumb thing. Last month, I was driving in my car. I was in heavy traffic, and I was getting off of 84 onto Route 2 in Glastonbury, and I decided to change the channels. Now, in that couple of seconds that I reached over to change the channels, car in front of me slammed on the brakes and I never saw it, ran right into it. Thankfully, nobody was hurt, but I was so mad at myself. Why did I have to change the channel right then? What was I thinking in bumper to bumper traffic thinking about that? You know, the good news is nobody was hurt and I do have insurance and that's why I have insurance, but, but the pain for my stupid mistake was something that I really grieved for not just that day, but for, for days afterwards. The second thing that I did wasn't a dumb mistake. It was truly something that I feel was sinful. Uh, when my kids were younger, we would go out for birthday celebrations. And so this was one birthday celebration for one of my kids. We went out to a great restaurant, had a great meal, had a great conversation, great time, a great birthday dessert. We got in the car to go on the way home and we were talking and, and my kid said something about a grade that turned out really bad. And I went from zero to 100 in one second. And before I could stop myself, I said something that hurt my child's heart. I saw it coming and I regretted it as soon as I said it. You know, I was forgiven and we've made up and we've moved through that, but it still grieves me today. 
when we do things that we regret, it grieves us. We were made to grieve. And, and I want to talk about this whole idea today because we're working through the Beatitudes. And last week we, we dealt with the first Beatitude. The second Beatitude is this. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. You know, as with all the Beatitudes, we need to understand what Jesus was saying about it. And we need to understand that Jesus was challenging the status quo of the culture that he spoke it in, but he's challenging the status quo of the culture that we live in today. And, and as we deal with these Beatitudes, we really have to ask, what did Jesus mean when he said, blessed are those who mourn? Well, first and foremost, I think Jesus meant this. He was talking about grieving our sins, grieving for our sins. You know, grieving for our sins is more than wanting a do-over. This is taking a serious look at our thoughts and our actions that lead us to sin, and that sin separates us from God. And, and you know, when I did that to my child, I knew I had sinned, and I confessed it. I was forgiven but I still hold that grief because I still regret it. This whole idea of grieving our sins is something that, that may seem a little foreign to you. It may be a little foreign in our culture. I don't think our world thinks much about that. But in the world that Jesus walked on this earth in and that he spoke into, this whole idea of grieving sins was a concept that the followers of God would have been familiar with. In fact, we see this in the Old Testament scripture. Uh, the psalmist wrote this, streams of tears flow from my eyes for your law is not obeyed. I mean, I mean, think this one through. The psalmist was looking out at all of those people who said they were followers of God, and he was seeing that the law of God was not being followed. It was being disobeyed. And he wept. He grieved. He mourned for what he saw. And so this was corporate sin. But, but even for Israel, there was this idea that it's not just our corporate sin, it's our individual sin. And, and David is a great example of this. In Psalm 51, he writes this psalm about his grief and his mourning and his, his hurt after he realized that his sin of adultery with Bathsheba has separated from God. And he, he, this is what he writes. He says, against you, God, you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Israel understood this idea of grieving sins. Uh, the prophet Ezekiel, read the prophet Ezekiel. He, he deals with the corporate sinful nature of Israel. Read through the New Testament, read through the Gospels, and you see how not only John the Baptist, but Jesus announced the, the kingdom of heaven. And, and here was his expectation. The expectation of Jesus was not that people would rejoice when he said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The expectation was the kingdom of heaven is at hand, so you better get right with God. You better repent. You better grieve your sin. So when Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, it was about primarily mourning over one's sinfulness. Now, 
mourning's one sin, if you've ever begun to think about it, actually, it's not all bad. It's, it's bittersweet. It's bitter because we recognize that we've sinned and we need to take responsibility for it. We need to repent. And that, that can be frustrating, recognizing that we've sinned. It can be guilt-inducing. It can be shameful. It can be embarrassing. But we have to do it when we recognize it. That's the bitter. But there's a sweetness, too. The sweetness is revealed when Jesus said, we are blessed when we mourn our sins because God will comfort us. He'll give us forgiveness. And if we profess faith in Jesus Christ for the first time and recognize that he saved us, not only are we forgiven of our sins, we recognize we're given the promise of eternal life. And, and that's the blessing of God's comfort when we repent of our sins. We're comforted with the truth that our sins are forgiven and that we're saved. We're blessed when we mourn our sins because God will comfort us and remind us of the promise of eternal life. Now, so don't get the idea that mourning of our sin is all gloom and doom. There's a blessing in this comfort that comes when God turns our mourning into joyful dancing, it says in the Psalms. So we rejoice that God has sent us a Savior to help us when we mourn our sinfulness. Now, while most scholars agree that Jesus was talking predominantly about grieving our sinfulness, there's also very clear biblical evidence that this also included grieving our losses. There's a universal experience in life that we all will have. No one can escape it. It's death. At some point, we will lose a loved one. I presided over memorials of loved ones from infants all the way to over 100 years old. And I've comforted those who have experienced tragic deaths and those that the death was long anticipated. And while there are different levels of grief, there's one truth. We all experience the pain of losing a loved one. So when Jesus tells us, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted, we should understand that mourning includes grief of the loss of those that we love. But it also should include understanding that God will comfort us now in part while we're on this earth and fully when we're in heaven. You see, God comforts us in this life and in this life to come and in the life to come because he'll remind us of his promise of eternity. The Bible reveals this to us that time and time again, God is with us in our pain and in our grief. In the words of Psalm 23, we read that though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For the psalmist says, you are with me. That comforts us. In Psalm 147, it says, God heals the brokenhearted and binds up our wounds. You see, God is the one who is near us. God is the one that heals our broken heart. God is the one that binds up our wounds. 
He walks with us through our grief and our mourning. Paul writes this about God. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles. Now, this shouldn't be a surprise to us because God sent his son Jesus to live on the earth. And what does it say in the Old Testament about Jesus? That he was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He understands our human emotions that he created us to experience. So, so here's the big picture. Jesus said, in this world, you will have troubles. We will all have troubles. This world hands them out. Heartaches and whatever else it can dish out. But Jesus said, take heart, for I have overcome the world. So this is what he means. We will grieve in this world, but we will be comforted. We'll be comforted by the Lord himself. And the blessing that this alludes to is that we will see those who have died believing in Christ again. So we grieve our sins and we grieve our losses. But, but here's the important thing for followers of Jesus. Our grieving is in hope. Let's talk about grieving in hope. Now, that sounds like two opposites, but the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians these words. He says, now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. Do you get that? When your loved ones die, grieve, mourn. But don't grieve like people who have no hope. Why? Because for those who die believing in Jesus, death is not the end for them. We will miss them, yes. We will cry and feel sorrow and have broken hearts, yes. We'll need to work through that process of grief that, that God created us to experience because we love them. And it will take time. But our grief is not like the world's grief. Our grief as followers of Jesus is countercultural because we understand that the moment our loved one's heart stopped beating on this earth, they were welcomed in to the presence of our dear Savior in heaven. So that's why we have hope. That's why we don't grieve like those who have no hope. We have the hope of heaven in Jesus Christ. Almost 21, over 21 years ago, the day before my daughter was born, an eight-year-old boy in the church that I pastored died totally unexpected suddenly. He had a virus that attacked his heart. I remember getting the call from his parents. They were uh, helicopter flying him to the hospital, but it was too late. I got to the hospital and the mom and dad were in the chapel with their son on a stretcher. And we spent hours there grieving over the loss of their child. It was probably one of the most traumatic and empty feelings I had ever had. And as I walked with those parents through that week and, 
as I ministered to them, God ministered to them too and ministered to me. And on the day we celebrated that young boy's life, I was able to say without a doubt that I knew that he was in heaven. And it was at the same time one of the most hopeless feelings and one of the most hopeful feelings in my life because no parent wants to go through that. But there was this ever-present hope in Jesus Christ that one day they will see their boy again. There is a blessing for those who mourn and grieve as followers of Jesus. The same is true for those who mourn and grieve their sinfulness. That's why Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You see, for the follower of Christ, there is hope in our grief over our sinfulness. Our, sum, our sins would doom us to an eternity separated from God and from heaven. But we know, thanks be to God, who makes us victorious over sin and over death because Jesus had paid, has paid the price for our sins. Let's focus for a time here on those words that Jesus spoke, that those who mourn will be comforted. Who does Jesus expect to do that comforting? Is it God? Yes, it is God. Is it the Holy Spirit? Yes, it is the Holy Spirit. But is it somebody else? It is. It's people. It's followers of Jesus. We're expected to comfort those who grieve. You see, if we know somebody who is in mourning, grieving, a loss, we're the person that God wants to extend comfort to that person. You know, our culture doesn't teach us well how to grieve. We're uncomfortable with death. We're uncomfortable with the process of grief. We, we think it should be over in a couple of weeks, but that's not true. And we see in Scripture that Christ followers are commanded to not shy away from those who mourn. In the book of Romans, we read this, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Now, I know just about everybody understands how to rejoice with somebody who rejoices, but what does it mean to mourn with those who mourn? A few moments ago, I shared a scripture from 2 Corinthians, and it started off this way. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles. But Paul continues after he says, who comforts us in all of our troubles, he says this, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. You see, as followers of Jesus Christ, we're supposed to mourn with those who mourn. We're supposed to comfort one another with the same comfort that we've received from God. When we comfort others, God uses us to fulfill the scripture. So let me encourage you, even challenge you. When you have a friend who grieves anything, be there for them. Whether they're grieving their sinfulness or grieving the loss of a loved one, listen and don't try to fix things because you can't. Just walk with them. 
You know, the Holy Spirit allows us to grieve our sins so we can be refined and grow closer to God. So when a friend is grieving their sins, just listen. Take what God is doing in their life seriously and pray with them and pray for them. And when someone's grieving the loss of a loved one, be there for them. Walk with them. Listen to them. Go to them. Hug them. Care for them. If you can't be there in person, call them. You know, after being a pastor for 30-some years, there's a few things that I've learned about grief. When somebody's grieving, listen to them. And don't try to come up with a spiritual explanation of why this happened. Don't say it must have been God's will. You don't know God's will. Don't inquire if their loved one was a Christian because you want to console them if they are, because they're in heaven. Because if they're not a believer, that's not going to console them, and they just need you to be there at that time. And quite honestly, if they are a believer... They don't want to know that their loved one's in heaven right there. They want their loved one to be with them. Don't expect the grief to be over in a couple weeks. The process of grief is different for everybody. So be there for them in the long haul. Do this. Do talk with them about their loved one. It's okay, even if you feel a little uncomfortable at first, talk about it because they love that person and they want to know that you're with them and you remember them and that you love them too. And yes, support them. Bring meals. Call them, send cards. Remember the anniversary of their loved one's passing. Minister to them, grieve with them. Let me sort of wrap this up. Jesus said that when we mourn and grieve, we are blessed because we will be comforted by God and by others. Trust that God will do that for you in your grief and trust that God will allow you to comfort others in their grief. As we draw this message to a close, we're going to sing the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. And if you know anything about the history of the song, it was written uh, as the result of one man's tragic loss. He lost his wife and his daughters in a tragic sinking of a ship as they were on the way to Great Britain. He was back in the States. And so as he took a ship to go and prepare for his family's services, as the ship sailed over the area where his family's ship had sunk and he was out on the deck of the ship and God began to minister to him and he penned the words to this song. And what I find so remarkable about this song is that he dealt with the whole breadth of loss mourning the loss, grieving the loss of his loved ones, but also 
recognizing that we as humans need to grieve the loss of our innocence when we come face to face with our sinfulness. And we're going to sing the words of the song. And as you sing them, I hope you see that by God's grace, it deals with both kind of losses. So as we sing that song, I believe God wants to minister to you. And so I want to encourage you to, to deal with what you need to deal with. And, and, you know, at the end of our service every day, every Sunday, the prayer team is up here. And so if you're going through grief right now and you'd like somebody to pray with you, to mourn with you, the prayer team would, be, would count it a privilege to do so. So I'm going to invite you to stand up. And we're going to sing it as well with my soul. It's a powerful declaration of saying, you know, Lord, I'm grieving. I'm hurting about my sin, about my loss of loved ones. But with you, I can be comforted and it is well with my soul. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.